Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Hello, it's Steve here and we are back with the first episode of 2023 and what a year it's going to be. It's the year of the United Kingdom hosting on behalf of Ukraine. It's the year of Liverpool. It's the year that you will meet 37 new Eurovision artists and 37 new songs that you will learn, that you will love, that you will support, that you will get behind and that you will be singing for the rest of the year. It's exciting, isn't it? It's amazing. And I know that so many of you are already across loads of the national finals that are happening right now. Very soon, the artists and the songs are going to come so quickly that you're going to find it hard to keep up. I know I'm going to find it hard to keep up. Uh, Then we've got party season. And then before you know it, it's going to be May and we're going to be in Liverpool. Um, I'm your host, Steve Holden, and I promise that uh, we will bring you chats with all of the acts of Eurovision 2023 so that you can get to know them a little bit better. We'll bring you the access that you want, and of course, we'll be speaking to some Eurovision legends. Uh, We've got some big names for this first episode of 2023, so let's get to it. Here is what's coming up. We're off to Belgium and it's third time lucky for Gustav. For Senec, I was singing under the stage. And for Hooverphonic, I was literally in a little cabin next to the stage in a dark room singing along. So it became a personal vendetta to get on the stage of Eurovision the third time. (laughs) And it worked. We have a man who is probably one of the biggest Eurovision fans on the planet. He's hosting the semi-final allocation draw. It's Rylan. I don't care what's in my way. I'm getting to that dance floor just to do the hair flick and the dance break. Like 100%. The second that song comes on, I might as well be wearing a... Swarovski capsule. <laughs> I'm sure you've got one in the wardrobe somewhere. I might have. Coming back to the podcast, we've got the head of delegation for Ukraine, the defending champions. It's Oksana Skibinska. Basically, Eurovision Song Contest is about values, it's about music, it's about feeling united. So I really hope that this contest will give this special feel. And Eugene from the Netherlands play Eurovision on the spot. So let's get to it. You're listening to the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast with Steve Holden. So how is your 2023 going so far? I hope you're keeping well and healthy 
maybe you've already started planning for Eurovision this year. Uh, we do have several confirmed artists already, but only three of them right now have the songs out there that they are going to be taking to Liverpool. So first up was Tvorchi for Ukraine. They won Vidbeer with Heart of Steel. Then just before Christmas, we had Albania's entry chosen from the public vote at Festivali Kenges. So it's Albina and the Familia Kalmendi. They are heading to Liverpool with Duye. And then Gustav from Belgium is going to be singing his 90s inspired banger Because of You after winning Eurosong 2023. And it was the first time in quite a few years really that Belgium had had a national selection show. Uh, he has the honour of being the first act of 2023 to appear on the podcast. It's time to get to know him a little bit better. Here is Gustav. Gustav, hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm very good. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, you're tired because we're talking to you the day after you won Eurosong in Belgium. Is it still a massive shock to you? It's sinking in, especially the drive up to the, the national broadcast system here, VRT, this morning. I was like, it's real. It's actually happening. I'm going to the finals. But yesterday, as you may have seen on, on, on the clips, I was in utter shock. <laughs> you were in total shock. You were like looking around going, what's happening? Is this real? Am I in real life? Am I in Belgium? Where am I? Uh, absolutely. And the thing was, I really thought I had an out-of-body experience. I really thought maybe I'm just tripping and I'm about to wake up and this is not real because it just felt surreal and not to say that I didn't want to go I'm so excited to go to Liverpool of course and I wanted to go to the finals but I also kind of let everything go once the song was done Tell us about your song what does Because of You mean to you and why is it so important why do you love it? Well, I love it because I wrote that song with um, an artist called Jawad Alul who's also an artist here in Belgium we're both queer artists and we wanted to write um, an anthem that just makes you feel good about yourself. That was really how we started writing this song. And um, we wanted to create a message that was um, empowering and supportive in a, in, a, in a universal way. We wrote it with the idea of the chosen family, you know, as, as queer people. We have our own little bond of friends that help us and lift us up. And um, we wanted to create a song that says, I'm here, I'm so glad I'm where I am right now in my life, and I owe it to you the people who lifted me up. That's really the message of the song. It was such a positive performance. Can you just give a little shout out to your two backing singers? Everyone is talking names? about them. I love it. Well, they're my best friends. This is the amazing thing. That's why I love also what we did because the message because of you was literally on stage because those two people are people I've been singing with for 20 years and people I talk on the phone every week and chit chat with and have a close bond with. And we were all there just to have a good time. I think that really... Uh, showed on, on stage and really came across on television and also all the visuals that we saw uh, during the performance that was my husband he made all the visuals and my brother-in-law his brother did all the graphic design for it so it's really a family affair so the Because of You was right there on stage Oh I love it and what, what are the singers called? Uh, you have Monique Harkham and Chantal Kashala, that are their names. And are you all going to go to Liverpool together, do you hope? Uh, this, that's, that is definitely what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, because 
this close-knit family is something that is really important for me to perform the way I performed because I felt just like once we were on stage because they were there and I trust them so much it was like I got this I got my friends on stage I got this that's really what happened to me on that stage last night people listening might already know that you have been to two Eurovision Song Contests before 2018 with uh, Senec and 2021 with Hooverphonic is that right I think I've got that right so what what was your experience like at both of those and do you think it'll help you going to Liverpool I do think that that helps uh, in a certain way or a specific way because I got to see the beast from inside so you kind of see how it works with the rehearsals, how it works with, with going into your first semi-final, how much work goes into interviews and, and making sure the press is, is, um, is catered to. And I think that really is something that uh, helps because you already know what you're going to be uh, doing. That's the preparation that's already there. Um, and also, I think what I've seen with Laura and with, uh, sorry, Senec, her name is called Laura, but she's called Senec, and Hooverphonic is um, so also staying true to your message and really staying, playing, staying close to your performance. I think that's also something that I really learned from them. And the difference this year is that you actually go on the main stage. <laughs> Lights, camera, action, millions of people. Well, I, well I, I make this joke, which is clearly a joke to be very clear because I knew what I was getting into when they asked me Senec and Hooverphonic so for Senec I was singing under the stage to support her and for Hooverphonic I was literally in a little cabin next to the stage in a dark room singing along so it became a personal vendetta to get on the stage of Eurovision the third time <laughs> and it worked so that's great it's like how dare they put me to the side how dare they put me <laughs> underneath you also have so much live experience for all your years working with Hercules and Love Affair who if anyone hasn't heard Hercules and Love Affair they need to listen it's that it's the happiest music the vibiest music around and I really feel this has been channeled into what we see with you on the stage as well you know it's positivity Yes, absolutely. And I, I think working with her because I'm a fair truly changed me as a performer. I think before my queer identity was always there. I'm a very out and proud man. But I think, you know, as, as in a career, um, it was sometimes uh, a bit of a hindrance for me because I didn't know how to uh, portray it on the stage in the right way. And with Hercules, because, you know, I was on stage with Rouge Mary. I don't know if was, she was uh, my companion for all those years incredible performer and it just lifted me to another level because I had to be on the level of everyone else on that stage and they were also telling me like could you please get over yourself and put on these leggings now and that really helped me to just like let go of all my inhibitions and to just be free on stage talking about leggings we we love your trousers the flared trousers are they going to come to Liverpool and the hat I have to tell you the hat is so my whole outfit was designed by Walter van Berendonk which is a famous Belgian designer and that hat is actually, there's only two pieces of that hat and one is in a museum. So we had to be really careful with the hat to make sure that it wasn't damaged or, or messed with because there would be a lot of insurance to pay. What I'm going to try to do is not clear yet, but I think I want to keep working with Walter for my outfits. So I'm not sure if this outfit is going to stay, but uh, I definitely want to keep working in that vein because I think it also elevated the performance, that outfit. You looked amazing. We loved it. I don't know if you realise this, but you're the, it's the second year in a row now that an act that has worked with Hercules and Love Affair is going to Eurovision. I know, I know. Because la last year it was Sister who represented Iceland. They've worked with with the band and now you're going he he must have a secret touch i reckon <laughs> i don't think he has he, he even knows that, that he actually is doing this but yeah it's true 
I've, I don't actually have an explanation for that. That's a very good question. And I wish I could tell you, but I have no idea. You mentioned your husband who did the visuals behind you. Have you both been Eurovision fans for a long time? B- both separately and together, we've been Eurovision fans. I mean, we, we're not the kind that, that go to like the parties and stuff, but I have a lot of friends that do. And I actually went to a couple of them and they're very nice. But when we're home, we like to just like literally keep those moments available. We still do the lists. I don't care. I still make a list. I still print out that list and I give points for outfits, voice and song. And I just love it. I love the whole idea of Eurovision. It's just, and there's, I tell this a lot to to people like you. I think there's something still in a naive way, maybe, but there's something very noble about countries coming together and choosing the greatest song in Europe. I think that's such a beautiful idea still. And that really is why I'm still so involved. I love the At Euro song. There was some Eurovision legends there, wasn't there? Alexander Reback was there. Nikki Tutorials was there. Uh, Duncan Lawrence was there as well. Did you get to meet any of them? I met uh, Nikki Tutorials really, really briefly because she wanted to have a picture and she was just lovely. She said, uh, <laughs> she said she gave her 12 points to me and she said, that's the one point that you won with. So you owe me. <laughs> I love it by one point. I I, I talked to because uh, I talked to Jeremy because we did a television show together this morning. He's lovely. He's lovely. I didn't get to meet Alexander or Duncan because you know it was just such a whirlwind once the, the final was done. But uh, yeah, and Laura Tozoro is someone I also know from being in the business and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's it. Was nice to see those kind of people there as well. It's nice to be part of the family now. You know, you're part. You're you're going into your Eurovision family. You're going to meet thirty six other people who are all doing the same thing as you. And you're probably going to get to know them quite well over the next couple of months. Are you excited? It's all still sinking in, in all honesty. And when you say this, I'm still having this out-of-body experience while you're saying those words. But it is very exciting, I have to say. And it's it's an honour, truly. I really mean that. It's an honour to be a part of a legacy like this. That's really an honour. Do you have a couple of favourites from years gone by that stick in your brain? The first one is maybe an odd choice, but I'm sticking to it. I, my f- number one is Imani, Where Are You Now? from the UK in 1998. And I will tell you why, because this was still in the time when they had the live orchestra there. I remember this was a very clubby, housey track, of course, my thing. Um, and they added a lovely, luscious string arrangement to it, which made the song even more emotional. I got goosebumps telling you this. And then her magical voice, and she had such a presence on stage. The act was super simple. And it just, I just will never forget that moment when she performed. I think it's one of the best moments ever on Eurovision for me. So yeah, this is a, maybe a bit of a, an older choice, but uh, I still love Eres Du from Moquedades. I know it's an older song and it's a, it's a 70s song, but something about that melody and that chorus that's so, it's almost like ethereal. It's so grand. It just always moves me. And I think it's because my mother used to play it as well when I was a kid. So it has like a sentimental touch to it. And another choice, I know this is a very obvious one, and, and, and I, I, could, I could give you like dozens of options, but we only have so much time. But I will say, I know it's a cliche, but I'm going to say it. I think still Euphoria by Laureen is something, I know it's the biggest cliche ever to say, I'm guessing, as a Eurovision fan. But I think I was a bit in, in, in an, a sort of um, awesome shock when I saw her performance. It just elevated the whole thing to something completely new. And I, I also think she's one of the best vocalists I've ever sang on Eurovision. Her vocals are out of this world. And to do what she did alone for like, I think, two minutes and 30 seconds in that song 
was just uh, incredible. I think there's a reason why that's still number one in all of the yearly charts that they do around Eurovision. It's just indestructible, un- that track. Um, finally, how are you going to prepare for Liverpool? What goes on between now, in January and May? Well, um, we have a meeting tomorrow <laughs> here at the VRT where we're going to see what's going to happen. I'm going to have to clear my schedule, that's for sure. I, I work as a, as, as a vocal teacher, I work as a producer, and, and I work as, an, as an, um, a composer for, for advertising as well. So I'm going to have to really make sure I can clear my schedule. And then I think we're going to talk about what we're going to do with the, with the act now. Because I do think this was a blueprint for what I want to do in Liverpool. I don't think we should do a one, 180 on this. This should really stay in, in the realm. But there are certain things that I'm sure we can elevate stylistically. I'm sure there are certain things we can do still dynamically to make it even more of a, of a, of a dance anthem on the stage. So we'll be talking about that. And I think then it's going to be finessing the act and uh, making sure that we're going to hit every nail on the head when we get to Liverpool. All I will say is enjoy the ride. It's going to be an amazing couple of months and we can't wait to see you at all the parties and at Eurovision in Liverpool. Gustav, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This is the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast from the EBU. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. There he was, Gustav, representing Belgium with Because of You. And I do urge you, go and listen to his work with Hercules and Love Affair because the music is so positive and it will really get you through January because regardless of what people say, January is a tough month, isn't it? Uh, But there he was, Gustav, the first act of 2023 on the podcast. Only another 36 to go but I am excited to talk to them and you can hear them all right here on the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Now at the end of January we've got the semi-final allocation draw taking place in Liverpool. That is a big moment because the mayor of Turin will hand over the keys quite literally of Eurovision to the mayor of Liverpool and we'll also find out which countries are going to appear in which semi-final. Now, the big five, France, Spain, Italy, Germany and the UK and defending champions Ukraine will qualify automatically. And the allocation draw is going to be hosted by UK TV presenters AJ Adudu and Rylan. And if you're listening and you're not too sure who Rylan is, he is one of the most famous presenters in the UK. He's also probably the most knowledgeable Eurovision fan on the planet. No joke. 
He knows so much. Uh, he was a contestant way back on the UK version of The X Factor, but he soon broke free of that. He went on to establish himself as one of the country's biggest personalities. He's got a radio show. He's part of the commentary team for the BBC at Eurovision. And he is one of the nicest people you could meet. So please enjoy Rylan Clark. Hello, Rylan. Hello, Steve. So good to see you. I know, and finally, we've got you on the podcast. I know, it's taken too long, but we're finally here. Do you agree with that? You are a top-tier Eurovision Song Contest fan. A major Eurovision fan, 100%. Like, every time, like, Eurovision posts, like, oh, what's your favourite song from France? I'm like, Amir, Shashashay. Me and you could have a deep-dive conversation into, like, what came 13th in 2014, and we'd, ha- we'd, we'd reminisce about obscure entries. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it, and especially sort of being a part of it with being on the commentary team, you know, you get to know these people as well. So like for that two weeks of your life, that's all that matters. And it really sticks with you. How excited are you about Liverpool? I cannot wait for Liverpool. Obviously, we're so excited to be for our new Ukraine's party over here. Um, and yeah, I was in Amsterdam quite recently. I saw Kalush and um, yeah, we're just so, so excited for it. It's coming here. Can you remember the first contest that you really took notice of? I really remember I remember Imani for us singing Where Are You um, and I remember Dana Dana International winning um, it was here in Birmingham as well and I think that's why I took notice of it as a kid because I knew it was happening in our country um, and that's when I really sort of fell in love with Eurovision and the fact that Dana International won the song Diva is amazing um, but with her backstory I just think that hooked me into the competition and it was sort of a place where you know you can be anyone you want to be. Did you used to have Eurovision parties and stuff? I used to love a Eurovision party. So my friends from Ibiza used to come over because I used to live out there. And um, we used to, you know, play games watching it. And yeah, I love Eurovision so much. It, it's just, it's the most unoffensive, fun, freeing part of my year. And I love it. When did you first work for Eurovision through the BBC? Because was that a real moment, a real highlight of your career? I remember getting asked, would I like to be um, a commentator? And I thought it was a bit of a joke and because people know how much I love Eurovision. So every year I'd be just on Twitter anyway, going, oh, I love this one. And oh, she did this. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it was, I think it was 2018 Lisbon was my first Eurovision that I was part of delegation. And it literally changed my life. Lisbon was gorgeous. It was a great Eurovision. Obviously, Netta winning. I remember meeting Netta and thinking, who is this girl? <laughs> and then, yeah, Tel Aviv was amazing. I've, I've just been very lucky. I work with Scott Mills um, doing the commentating, and he's been doing it for about five or six years longer than me. Um, and it's really fun to do it with him because, I mean, Tel Aviv, he's like, this is the best Euro club there's ever been. Or Turin, this is the best, like, blah, blah, blah. So it's always good to sort of have the back history from behind the scenes as well. 2018, Lisbon, that is the year of Eleni Fuera and Fuego. Are you one of those people that you hear the beginning of it, it's like a siren in the distance and you have to run to the nearest dance floor? Oh, I mean, I don't care what's in my way. I'm getting to that dance floor just to do the hair flick and the dance break, like 100%. The second that song comes on, I might as well be wearing a Swarovski cap suit. <laughs> I'm sure you've got one in the wardrobe somewhere. I might have. <laughs> uh, what is the most underrated Eurovision entry? Oh, that is so difficult. That is so difficult, most underrated. Um, I would probably say Sevak, Kami. Wow, that is niche. I've gone niche. I'll tell you for why, it's always on my top plate when I'm listening to Eurovision tracks. And I just loved that song. And um, 
Yeah, no, Step Back Can Me, I'm going to go with. I just thought it was a really, really good song. Didn't do as well as it should have. You were there in Turin uh, working for the BBC, but you are a fan of Eurovision and you've seen the ups and downs of the United Kingdom. Sam came second. What was it like to be in that inner circle when he came second? I was on the floor. I was literally on the floor when the votes were coming in and we're hearing, the United Kingdom. I was like, ah! like inward scream, couldn't breathe. It was like judges' houses. Um, but yeah, it was just a moment. And me and Scott, actually, when the scores were really, I think we were about three quarters of the way through the amalgamation of scores. And I just grabbed Scott and I said, we've got to be there for this. And we did. We made our way into the green room on the sofas. Kalush just won. And we just, everyone was just hugging. Chanel at one point had her le legs wrapped around me from Spain. And she, I was like, well done you, because she'd obviously come third. It was just so lovely. And Marius as well, bless Marius Bear. There's that lovely picture of Sam cuddling him. Yeah. Um, because Marius and their delegation were all in our hotel. So we all got really, really close. And that's the thing about Eurovision is that you genuinely do become close with these people. And, you know, only not long ago, I was in Amsterdam and see you know, Mons and I see Netta and Lorraine and Subwoofer and everyone that you've met across the years. And it's sort of that once a year family. And a lot of the delegations stay the same, sort of the people behind the scenes, the setters, the heads of delegation. So it's always lovely to be like, oh my God, how are you? Like, oh, it's Eves from Switzerland. How are you? Like, you know, just chatting away with people and obviously all the EBU lot as well. Um, so yeah, it's just... There's just this family vibe when genuinely, you know what it's like because you've been to a Eurovision, but for someone that hasn't, whatever city Eurovision is in, that is the only thing that matters in that city. And you feel like there's no world outside that city. Nothing can touch you. Um, it's just the best bubble to be a part of. Uh, we were both in Amsterdam for Het Grote Song Festival Feast, which I think is how we pronounce it. I think you've it done right. it right, it's the Festival Feast. Which is one of the biggest Eurovision events outside of the Eurovision Song Contest. And there were so many winners there. There was like Lordi, Lorene, Conchita, yeah. Kalush. Was it like a dream for you as, as like a, a, a lifelong Eurovision fan to just be around all those winners? It was really nice, Surreal. actually. It was, it was amazing because there was a few people that I hadn't met. So as much as I'd seen people that I did know and it was lovely to catch up with them like you say like Lordy, Helena like you know all of these people that I'd not met at that point that was the first time I'd met Lorene even though we'd spoken online loads of times yeah. it was the first time I'd met her um so it was just so nice Lordy was amazing yeah I agree like he is just so great yeah. and so not what you expect either he's like oh you know I'm just on tour and I like how are you today and it's like yeah but you look like that. I thought exactly the same. He's, he was great. We got him really, really well. But yeah, it was just so, so lovely to, I suppose I could liken it to sort of a football fan growing up and getting to meet the sort of 66 World Cup squad team. That's what it's like for me. On your radio show in the UK, you have a feature called Rylanoki where you sing famous songs with famous people and you have an amazing time. So who is the Eurovision act that you want to have on Rylanoki? Well, on we we call it karaoke because we're trendy. Um, we my my number one is Lorraine. I want to sing either Euphoria or My Heart Is Refusing Me with her. I mean, it and would be a moment. I'm, I'm making it happen. Um, Lorraine will be here because I reckon she's going to be representing Sweden. I don't know. I might be completely wrong. Well, but she's one of what thirty-two acts. She's got a chance. I think. I think she could do it. All depends on the song. If your mates now, you've not heard the song, have you? I can't neither confirm nor deny any rumours. <laughs> You're it, more in the inner circle of Eurovision than I am. It's really weird. Like, just, just I know. I mean, like the other the, the other time when we were in Amsterdam, I know you were there. 
we were all in the same hotel. That never happens because normally at Eurovisions, it's two delegations in one hotel, one delegation in one hotel, and you're spread out. But for the festival that we were at, Everyone's in the same hotel. So breakfast was hilarious. There's like Netta, like morning babe. She's like, hello. And then like Carola strolls down, full face of makeup. You're like, okay, here we go. It was it was just brilliant. Just brilliant. You're like, oh, croissant for me. Oh, some porridge for you. <laughs> Literally, oh, hi, Jean Steers. Yeah, like it was just brilliant. Um, what is the one thing that you are going to be doing at Eurovision, regardless of um, what role you're doing or what where you're going to be? Where is one place that you want to be in Liverpool 2023? Euro Club is one of them. Um, but for me, it will be just during the semis and at the final, just me and Scott, as we normally do, just watching the show, having fun, enjoying ourselves like we're at home, but actually at work. It's the best job in the world. It really, really is. It's the f most enjoyable experience. And just do exactly what we do every year and meet new people, make new friends and just be part of that Eurovision family. I think people that listen to this podcast, they know how much Eurovision means to so many people. You know, it's it's so nice. I get goosebumps talking to people like you because for so many years I've tried to tell people how amazing it is. And then, and then you realise that there is this community that loves it. Majorly. And for anyone that hasn't been able to be part of that in person. You can still be part of that, obviously across all the platforms, across the digital, across the show. You know, it's the biggest, it's the biggest party in Europe and the biggest family in Europe and Australia. So yeah, we are so lucky to be a part of it on the inside, but just because you're not on the inside doesn't mean you can't be part of it because everyone's welcome. And that's why we love it so much. Ryland, thank you so much for being finally on the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Love you, Steve. See what I mean? Just a lovely, lovely guy. Loved chatting to Ryland. And you know that he is following every single national final. Uh, the semi-final allocation draw is on Tuesday, January the 31st. You can watch it on the official Eurovision YouTube channel at 20 hundred hours Central European time. That is eight o'clock in the evening. Right, I'm going to take you back to one of the most powerful moments that we've had on the podcast so far. Because last year... After the final in Turin, I was backstage and I got to speak to Oksana Skibinska. She is the head of delegation for Ukraine. And we had a, a, a chat just after Kalush Orchestra had won with Stefania. It was an emotional moment for everybody, a really powerful moment for Ukraine to win last year. And not least for Oksana personally, because she'd had to organise getting everybody from war-torn Ukraine to Italy to compete. You might remember this moment. There is nothing more beautiful in the world for me than Kyiv in May. And I really hope and I look forward to hosting the whole Europe in our peaceful Ukraine. But as we soon found out, it just wasn't to be. It wasn't possible to host in Kyiv. So the UK is hosting on Ukraine's behalf, but Oksana is heavily involved. She's still head of delegation for Ukraine, and she's also head of project for the Eurovision Song Contest for the Ukrainian National Broadcaster. Oksana, it's so good to see you. It feels like yesterday, doesn't it, that we were in Turin? Um, but I mean, so much, so much has happened since. It's been a proper roller coaster for you, hasn't it? 
It really has been. Indeed, so many things have happened with all the decisions, how Eurovision Song Contest 2023 is going to happen, uh, what kind of event is going, it is going to be, uh, selecting the artists to represent Ukraine, being the first country from all the participating countries to make this decision. So it's been so busy for us, but in a good way, uh, because these months have been full of uh, exciting uh, decisions and events. And at this point, uh, we, um, we are happy that to have our contestant, our representative at Eurovision 2023, and working closely uh, with the BBC uh, to make Eurovision Song Contest 2023 really unique and unprecedented. The last time we spoke, you said that your dream was for the contest to be in Kiev in 2023, and it, it hasn't happened. It's going to be in Liverpool. The UK is hosting on behalf of Ukraine. Did you hear what Sam Ryder said when he said it's Ukraine's party, we're just hosting it at our house. How do you feel about that? We really want to host the whole Europe in Ukraine as soon as as soon as peace comes back to Ukraine, we will be so happy to welcome uh, people from all over the world, from all over Europe in Ukraine. Meanwhile, we are working together uh, with the house broadcaster BBC uh, to make this feel, to make what uh, Sam said. This Eurovision Song Contest will be unique. Uh, it will have this special atmosphere. I really hope that uh, it will be unprecedented. And uh, in this special time uh, for Ukraine and for the whole Europe, uh, the Eurovision Song Contest will um, convey this atmosphere, convey the feeling that the UK, Liverpool, um, is hosting the uh, Eurovision Song Contest, having Ukraine in its mind, in its heart, and given this atmosphere of Ukraine, maybe not physically there, but mentally, musically. Um, basically, Eurovision Song Contest is about values, it's about music, it's about feeling united. So I really hope that this contest will give this special feel. You spent in 2022 a lot of time with Kalush Orchestra. What's it been like for you to see them on the world stage, performing at award shows, traveling around the world, going to all these countries? What, how does that make you feel? I feel really proud of them. Uh, they have been working so hard, um, both before your, the Eurovision Song Contest, during it and after it. So uh, what they are doing is really important. They are spreading the message through music because music has its special power. It's a very powerful tool to unite people, to um, spread your voice, to be heard. And this is exactly what uh, Kalush Orchestra are doing. They are the voice of Ukraine on the international stage. And these days they are traveling all over the world, um, spreading the message, uh, being heard, being listened to, uh, showing how beautiful Ukrainian culture is, how varied Ukrainian music is. And this is so important anytime and this difficult time for Ukraine, especially. Please tell me, have you still got a pink bucket hat at your home? Is it your lucky charm? Of course, I do have it. Uh, yeah, I, I see it practically every day. It's in my wardrobe. So every day when I uh, open the wardrobe, I see it. It gives me such a warm feeling because this Eurovision was very special um, in so many different ways. Um, it was a platform to unite people, to unite nations, uh, to uh, make us um, feel 
um, around the um, circle of friends, being uh, around friends, uh, being around people who share the same values, uh, who stand together with us. So indeed, this bucket hat always reminds me of this warm feeling that was there at Eurovision Song Contest and remains in our hearts. I totally agree. It was so nice to see you and the team in Turin and everybody in Turin had such a friendship going on. You know, it, I've said this before, it didn't feel like a big competition. It felt like a coming together of lots of friends and countries. And hopefully that's going to continue in Liverpool in 2023. Look, you're, you're at the heart of the organisation. Um, how are things going from the Ukrainian side at the minute? Um, it's very busy. Uh, we are working together with the team of the BBC. It's really amazing. And this is something that hasn't happened before, uh, that uh, two countries, two broadcasters are working together on the same project, on the same Eurovision. I'm sure there's lots of people that would like to give you a round of applause because you are one of the people who helped organise Vidbeer last year, live from a bomb shelter, from a metro station underground in Ukraine. How much of a challenge was that? It was a major challenge uh, because uh, this has never happened before and I really hope it will never happen again. Uh, but in these special circumstances of war in Ukraine, we, um, we wanted to uh, make this national selection happen, to make it happen the usual way where Ukrainians decide uh, who is going to represent Ukraine at the Eurovision Song Contest, not the broadcaster or whatever. Uh, that's why um, in August we made this major decision that um, Vidbir uh, will happen in, um, in underground in the, uh, at a metro station. But still understanding that uh, what we're doing has this nature of Eurovision in it. We really wanted to convey this message that uh, despite the war circumstances, the heart of Ukraine is beating underground. Oh, you did completely. There must have been so much adrenaline going through your body doing a live show underground. Ukraine experiences lots of power cuts. You know, the power could have gone off at any minute. There was trains going past as well. But you did it. You created a TV show um, underground and you picked a, an act for Eurovision. You must have felt a, such a sense of relief at the end of it as well. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we were ready for different uh, possibilities, uh, different things that could have happened. Unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, but we tried to uh, consider different scenarios uh, to uh, be ready that uh, things may go wrong, uh, signal may go down or the voting may not happen, I mean, by the public. So we thought about all those possibilities. I'm so happy that none of them actually happened. And uh, we managed to do it in the basic way, in the scenario A way, uh, that um, all the artists performed live on stage, um, even though trains could be heard. Did you get the sense that you not only brought together people still living in Ukraine, but other people around the country who've been dispersed by the war and ha who had to leave the country? Did you get the sense that you brought a lot of people together again? I did. The broadcast was available in different countries. People could watch it on YouTube and they did and they left lots of comments. Also, the voting was available abroad. So it was so important to, uh, to have this feeling that people are united, people um, 
watch it and people um, care. Well, look, we are so glad that you are staying safe and that you've managed to pick your act for Liverpool and that you're part of Eurovision 2023 at the heart of it. I know you're going to be so busy over the next couple of months. I, I can't even imagine what's what's in your diary, but um, we're looking forward to seeing you in Liverpool. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again to chat to us and give us an update. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so, it's so good to see you again and to be able to talk to you. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, Tvorci will represent Ukraine in Liverpool and they will be on the podcast very soon. Before we go, it is time for another Eurovision legend to play Eurovision on the spot. Name. Ogin. Country you competed for. The Netherlands. Year. 2017. Light and Shadows. Favourite lyric from one of your songs? Uh, we're going to stand in line and not give up or walk that road. Because I think it's important that we are just uh, in line as sisters and uh, with our nose the same <laughs> uh, the same direction yes. on. Yeah. And just so, strong with each other, right? Yeah, strong yeah. with each other and um, always be together uh, as a group and, and as sisters and not be afraid of um, going on a path that you don't know. Who is your Eurovision hero? I think for now, Duncan Lawrence, because he won the Eurovision for Holland, and mm -hmm. I loved that song and the performance. Yeah, yeah. So he's a big hero. And now. a little bit Johnny Logan. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. Don't forget about he's, that. And we've no. seen him so many times now, or he's so amazing. many times I'm bragging about he's this. We see three times. <laughs> we see him three. Yeah. But we're close friends now. No. <laughs> I cool. wish. She can say John now. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. besties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your earliest Eurovision memory? Oh, I don't know. Junior. Yeah. Yeah, the junior uh, Eurovision Song Contest. We were ten. We, we were ten. Yeah, it was two thousand seven. Yeah. And uh, we won the uh, junior Eurovision Song Contest and for Holland. In, for Holland. Holland yeah. yeah, yeah. And the finals were actually in in the Netherlands in Ahoy, Rotterdam. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, our earliest thing is actually competing in Eurovision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was literally, 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 literally. the first word. thing uh, we did as singers when we were young. Yeah. So that's fun. What's the thing you most remember about being on stage at Eurovision? I think the countdown moment when yes. we start a cappella yes. and then we hear like a click on our in-ears and that's the point when you don't want to miss one second because you want to start exactly mm. on the same second yeah. with three of us. And actually in the rehearsal, uh, yeah, it went wrong. I didn't hear one count, so the whole beginning was wrong and that was the, like the the most important thing so that maybe made uh, maybe a me a little nervous um but i also thought when well it's happening now so it's not going to happen when it's yeah. showtime it's better for the viewers yeah too. and it, it it was good who was the first winner of the eurovision song contest you met i think that was montselmelo when we yes. were doing a press thing at a roof terrace in kiev was it not yeah, oh yeah, well was, i wanted to was. say we know Duncan Lawrence before he won yeah, Eurovision. Okay. No, but after so, after so was, he is a winner True. and we met him earlier. True, <laughs> but I mean like after winning, yeah. that would be months because he, yeah. uh, we saw him during that press conference and we just took a picture and talked yeah. to him for like two seconds and we're already yeah. like, that was him. What is the best thing about being in the Eurovision community? It's just one big family, you feel that. Uh, yeah. I don't know, everybody's so happy and it's it's such a, a, a great vibe and you're not going to be forgotten or anything. No, you're no, never, never, never left out. It's just so warm, kind, positive vibe and everyone belongs there. So that's that's a really good thing. Yeah, accepting of everyone, like yeah. literally everybody. That's great. Yeah.
Ah, oh, thank you to Ogene. Still love Lights and Shadows. What a song. And also thanks to Oksana Skibinska, to Rylan and to Gustav, who is representing Belgium. I will be back very soon with more of this year's acts and, of course, some Eurovision legends. But for now, I'll catch you very soon. Au revoir. To get the latest episode as soon as it drops, remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.